This podcast is made possible through a generous grant from the APSI Endowment Ministry Team. Visit apcenet.org to register for the next national event. Who's down with G-O-D? Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Wrapping up our season two of the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast, we're going to have Teresa Cho with us in just a little bit, talking about the combining of being the solo pastor as well as doing all the youth activities, mm-hmm. even in a big church setting. And uh, that's going to be coming up. But to, before we get there, we have one final uh, top five list that uh, Michelle and I are going to go through. Uh, Michelle Thomas Bush, of course, joining me as always. Uh, these are top five little hacks for youth ministry, little little small things that could just kind of make, maybe hopefully make your life a little bit easier. What, what do you got on the list? All right, my number five hack for youth ministry, and again, these are small things, but we're trying to think of what helps us in youth ministry. I order my youth by class. So instead of having them listed in our database as sixth graders, they are the class of 2030. Mm. And that way you never have to change that list if it's in um, you know, a database, if it's in a, you know, whatever it is that you're writing, they always stay the class of 2030. It just saves you a little bit of time. But the other piece of it is that I put them in my phone. So my children have given me a hard time because in my phone, you have Violet, who it says Violet-23 mm. because she graduated this past year. And she would give me a hard time that, you know, you don't know my year you know, you don't, you have to tell me what year I'm graduating. And I said, no, but if I want to find out who the seniors are and text those seniors about an event, I could just type in 23 and, and all those all seniors appear. come up. That's and smart. so that is that, smart. that's just an easy hack. And I do it the same with parents. Um, and so that's a helpful thing. If you want to know, you know, some parents that you might ask for volunteers or empty nesters, I could pull up parent 19. And then those people are probably empty nesters now. So, all right, Cliff, give us number four. Well, number four, near and dear to my heart, because we're right smack and dab in the middle of all the birthdays in my family that aren't me. Like, it's my my wife's birthday, my son's birthday, and I have a hard enough time with keeping their birthday straight, let alone a whole youth groups. So, write those cards at the beginning of the year, and Mm. then either make it someone's job to send them out at the appropriate time, or put a post-it note for which ones are for which mo- months to go out, but just get it all done at the beginning so you don't won't be thinking, oh, I forgot to do you know March's uh, birthdays exactly. and it's like May. So yeah, just have it all done beginning of the year. I know that I'm someone who writing, planning, charting is a painful thing for me. So just do it, get it over with, and then just take a uh, take a a, a Myers Briggs P day the next day. <laughs> well, and kids don't get mail. So getting a birthday card in the mail is such an important oh, yeah. thing. And whether you create it yourself or you create one on Canva or just buy a stack of them at Trader Joe's, you know, those birthday cards are important. All right. Number three is creating a face list. F-A-C-E list. Um, we do this for every trip and we create a face list for the leaders so that 
we could give the youth on the trip a list of who the leaders are with their name first and last, cell phone number. We also give them the leaders that face list for every trip so that they know who are the youth on this trip. And even though you know them and you're building relationships, it's good to have that list handy. Um, so if you're looking for somebody at Great Wolf Lodge, you can pull it up on your phone and say, we're looking for Cliff. This is what he looks like. And so that's a helpful tool uh, at a larger church. But I think at any size church, we assume the leaders and the kids know each other. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you're pulling in a leader who hasn't worked with the youth. And so giving them that list a couple days ahead of time to memorize is so helpful. So that's our hack. We keep that on our um, database. And so you could pull it for any trip. So we have a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade group. And then once they go through confirmation, we get all their pictures and we just add that to our database for the future. All right. For number two, we all have those things that we have to do every week to get ready for uh, a youth function, youth activity, youth meetings. But there are those little small detail jobs that maybe we aren't all thrilled to do and maybe we really hate whether that's cleaning up the last of the youth area, making certain the kitchen was gone over and that all trash was carried out and all that. And maybe that's our thing that just drives us batty. Um, keep a list of the small jobs you don't really love doing on your desk or in your space. So I don't know if this happens to you a lot, Michelle. I'm always having somebody poke their head. At, hey, anything I can do, you know, just asking. Oh, yeah politely um this will either a put them to work or b break them from asking that because <laughs> if you have that list right there you can say oh yeah so could you go make certain that all the trash got taken out from the youth meeting and that there's Perfect. not new life developing in the bottom of one of the trash cans somewhere um could you go make certain that the youth uh, room was straightened up after the meeting uh can you go make certain that the books were put away little things like that exactly little things are just kind of annoying that yeah i have to get done but if someone were to ask you, what what can I do to help? You have an answer. Not, and don't just sit there and go, oh, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can think of something. No, here's the list right here. Here's what you can do. And, yeah, we have a, a youth house uh, that we share with a lot of people. And we don't gatekeep our sodas that are in the fridge. So if you're coming for a grief group, you're welcome to have those. But one of the things that, so we don't get annoyed that all our sodas are gone for youth night we have a adult who on Friday gets a couple cases of soda and water and puts them in the fridge so that anybody can use them, but we always have drinks and I don't have to remember that. And so thank you for that reminder about small jobs, Cliff. That's great. Yep. All right. Number one, our, my number one is uh, having access to a Google calendar that you could sync with your phone. It has been a game changer oh, yes. for us. Um, we did a QR code. And so parents at the beginning of the year could add that. Youth could add it. Uh, it could, we did, you know, an iCalendar too. So it updates. And so if we change the time or we have to gather a little bit early or we forgot to tell you to bring a towel because we're playing water games, we can add that to the calendar and it gets updated on your phone and we don't have to send those reminders out. Um, so that's been a game changer for us. And continuing on from our top five list, we are heading into what is it to do it all? What is it to do everything? And we have Teresa Cho, head of staff from St. John's Presbyterian Church in San Francisco, California with us today. And Teresa, you you have done it all in the church that you are in, and now you continue to do it all. 
now that you're at the top of the list, you're at the top, <laughs> the top of the, <laughs> the top of the ladder, and you're doing everything that uh, that you have done along the way. How how do you balance it? Tell us. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you don't. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it really if it really is kind of a little bit of running around with your head cut off, but at the same time, you know. Um, if you're the type of person that enjoys that kind of um, den denied sense of uh, controlled chaos, then it really mm. works for you. Yeah. So and I've been there for 20 years. So I, you know, so apparently 20 I must years. love it. Mm -hmm. So you've been through over the 20 years, you've been times when you've had young people and when you didn't have young people, yeah. uh, you have young people now in your family. Yeah. So how do you do youth ministry in a church when you're, the only staff person. Yeah, you know, I started out as an associate and I think this will be a familiar um, scenario for a lot of pastors when you have been brought in to bring in the young families, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and ironically, when I started at St. John's, I was newly married with no children and then quickly became soon after pregnant. So my wow. kids, in the 20 years I've been there have grown up in that church. So a lot of the needs and the changes um, that have happened at St. John's selfishly were because I needed those changes <laughs> because I was kind of this pastor mom. Um, mm. Yeah, going on. So um, at that time, we didn't have a lot of variety of children. Um, and so kind of becoming an intergenerational community was um, an organic um, decision in some ways. And that decision has played out well for our congregation as we have then those children have grown up into becoming youth. And now we have a range of babies all the way up to youth um, at St. John's. But we're not a big church. You know, we're about 120 families that's... Um, St. John's is a very uh, rotating population. So we get a lot of people who come in and then move out. And so to sustain an intergenerational ministry that can hold mm -hmm. a diverse community and yet a rotating community mm. is the challenge. Where do, where do you find jobs or leadership roles or connection moments for young people in your church? So the great thing I think about the size of our community is it's relationship-based. So that means I know the youth and I know their personalities and I know where their gifts lie. And so for like right now, we have an elder who's a senior, um, high school senior. And him being an elder, it, I could tell as he was getting older that this was a role that not only um, would fit him, but he would have something to give to mm. St. John's. And so it was very relationship based. And then there's kids, you know, who there's going to be other things um, that um, will suit kind of their growth, their growth and faith a little mm. bit more, but it's very much knowing each child. So it's not program based, it's relationship based. Right. Yeah. Mm. We've talked about Cliff and I have talked this whole season about, um, you know, it's not youth ministry, it's more relational ministry but you still have to do the work of connecting young people and doing faith formation yeah. with them. So it looks different in every context, I think. It does. And I think we, for the most part, everything is age accessible. So mm. 
there's not adult education for us. It's just education. And so sometimes depending on the youth, we will have a mother and a daughter, a teenage mom and a daughter join Bible study mm. um, or things like that. And then there's times I do kind of one-offs that are just for the youth. So we did, um, I did a whole teaching series with the youth about, um, we were focusing on all the different sides of Mary for Advent. Mm. Um, and so in September and October, um, I would meet with them and we would, we would look at all the different sides of Mary. And then in the end, they helped cultivate and create, mm -hmm. um, the worship series for Advent. So wow. the liturgy and then our Advent, um, wreath wasn't the typical Advent wreath. It was four different, um, um, pictorials of wow. Mary the disciple Mary, um, the mother Mary, you know, and these were the different sides of Mary. And so they were able to also create art with that mm -hmm. as well. And so, um, so sometimes there are just some things that are very particularly designed for them. Mm. That's perfect because then they're invested. They're going to want to come to church every Sunday yeah. in Advent because they know, they know the stories and they want to see what unfolds. And I think too, if they have something invested for those where if I was to ask them to be a liturgist or if I was asked them to speak or share, they probably would say no. Mm -hmm. But in this context, because they created and owned it, then they feel a little bit more confident <laughs> that they right. could say something. Yeah. Cause I helped write this prayer or I helped mm -hmm. write this, you know, call to worship. Yeah. That's beautiful. It, it kind of sounds like you have organically had come about what a lot of churches are trying to intentionally do with all of their various age groups interacting together and it not just being just a youth or just a this. Was there a, a time early on that like it became obvious that this is that the stuff is here for it, that it did just kind of organically find its way or how did it come about? Yeah, it was it was organic in the sense I mean, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think there was a lot of talk about intergenerational ministry and certainly, you know, not any books really written about it. Right. So I wouldn't say I knew that that's what I knew we were doing. Um, but because of the size of our congregation, I just knew we were basically little house on the prairie. We were once, you know, it's the one room schoolhouse kind of a thing. And I think because of my previous background was a special education teacher, it was how to do that in a way where it holds the integrity of the child, where they're not being put on this. For example, um, when we would do kind of children's time in worship, you know, a lot of our kids felt like they were being put on display, I mm -hmm, think, mm -hmm. you know, and so then when they would say something that I think they thought was probably profound, and it would get a chuckle from the congregation, you know, because yeah. it was profound. <laughs> yeah. That's not They're how they took it. And it was it. profound. Yes. And that's not how they took it though. They mm -hmm. really felt that they were being laughed at. And so mm -hmm. it was slowly those kind of, you know, as a special education teacher, you're always taught to observe and upset, uh, uh, you know, kind of assess what's going on. And so when those things were happening, I was constantly observe, observing and obsess, assessing kind of, huh, that's interesting. What can we do to then maybe, you know, change that? So the integrity mm -hmm. of every person, no matter what age you are, is, is held. 
And so, so nothing was like, this is because it's child friendly. It's be, it was more like, this is for those who are more visual learners. This mm. is for those who are more audible. This is for those who need to actually touch and feel the, you know, the essence of God. Um, and so we kind of shifted our behavior and our language towards that. Um, and I think that behavior um, started to kind of change who we are and how we did things um, and how kids were honored and um, how, how they felt comfortable in worship and things and like that. And respected. Yeah. And therefore adults felt respected too, mm -hmm. because they're like, wait a minute, I'm like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there are adults who cannot sit still for an hour. No, you know? no, and, no. And so our worship does not, yeah. Cliff, I mean, our worship does not require that yeah. at all, you know? So I, I have an adult who, who has chaired a, a big committee for our youth and, and he said, you won't see me at church. He said, but it's not that I don't care. He said, I just cannot stand you know, sit for that long. And he said, I, I get so self-conscious getting up and down and moving, you yeah. know, so I'm just not coming to church. And I think, you know, we're not a space like you that yeah. has room for that. Yeah. yeah. Half yeah. the reason I preach the way I preach is because I can't stand to just be in one place behind the pulpit. Mm. That's why oh, I'm, I know. I'm out and, and do a storytelling style of preaching. Me too. And what's so funny is then when do I, when I guest preach somewhere and I am behind a pulpit, I am so out of my element that I almost don't Amen. know how to preach. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Right. All right, let me ask you, what do you do when you have confirmation? So you yeah. have, you know, because if you have a few youth here and there sprinkled and they're integrated into all different facets of the church, what do you do for milestones like that? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I usually do confirmation every January, and yeah, sometimes it's eight kids, sometimes it's two, and it just depends on the season of it all. And again, I, you know, while I have kind of a general basic um, syllabus, it's still really honed to I know who those two people are, right? right. I know who those eight people are um, that are coming, and so the Honestly, my conf the confirmation class I teach is less about kind of, um, this is what the Lord's Supper means. This mm -hmm. is what baptism means. Mm -hmm. It's about that I have some very intentional moments for us to have some um, time to answer any faith questions, not even answer, but discuss, like mm -hmm. have conversation mm -hmm. about any faith questions. And I don't know if this is the same in other places, but for an urban diversity like San Francisco, these youth go to school with people of all different faiths, or maybe no particular faith, all different, you know, races and genders and sexual orientation. And so they're coming with questions, <laughs> definitely, um, that are not easily, you know, like, here's the Bible verse, let's go through that. So I kind of like to go through th with them. Um, we go, like, I like to choose, I like to pick on Jacob because here's a, you know, uh, not the most perfect <laughs> no person right, right. in the Bible and to kind of go through his life um, timeline and to have them kind of reflect on theirs and to be able mm. to use that as a vehicle of, you know, how has um, his relationship with God, how has his faith, you know, developed over time? What mm -hmm. does that mean for you? Because certainly where you're at now, 
isn't where you're going to be tomorrow or later on. And then we end up doing a collective statement of faith and not an individual mm. one. That's beautiful. You know, we end up just talking. And I remember having a youth who, um, when we were kind of working on it individually before we came to a, a collective one, was just like, uh, Pastor Teresa, I'm just letting you know, I'm not going to do this assignment and I can't <laughs> do it. Because guess what? I don't believe in God. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. What is it that you don't believe in God? Well, I believe that um, people, no matter if you're gay or straight or anywhere in between, are um, beautiful people. I believe <laughs> this. I believe that. I'm like, hey, guess I what? I believe that too. I believe the same thing. This yeah. is amazing, you know? And so, um, so when she was going on her, you know, this is what I, this is why I don't believe in God. One of the youth said, I think that's beautiful, actually. Write that down, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, it, it, you know, it's um, going back to relational, um, going back to being able to take a, you know, let go of your syllabus and take a right turn, you know, when the conversation is going a different way. Because ultimately, I want these youth to have the sacred moment in time to be yeah. able to be honest and talk about, you know, um, whatever they yeah. want to talk about exactly and that it's all good it's all fine and it's all holy okay I have a question thinking because you've used a lot of relationship language and thinking about all the work you have to do in the church how do you build those relationships throughout their life so that you know when they get to that confirmation you know them because you know you said you know them you know these families you know these kids yeah. what do you do to connect with them and build those relationships so one there's a lot of church stuff that i don't do and i've let go there um i remember there was a, tell us that a, we want to know <laughs> i remember there was an article that i read about a pastor who said she was just so tired of chasing after people and these are, mm. and she says, and by the way, these are people that ch check the box. I want to do this. Yeah. I'm interested mm. in that. Right. And she's still chasing after them. Mm. And I thought about that. I thought about, yeah, how much of my time is chasing after people who said they want to be a member <laughs> and then they don't have time to do membership class. Mm -hmm. um, how many people will say, I want to volunteer for the food pantry and mm. then they don't return your emails. And so kind of just looking at all of that and, and spent a lot of time kind of changing the system. So I'm going to admit one thing and, and then we're probably not going to talk about it because it's a rabbit hole, <laughs> but like my church doesn't do membership. Mm. We let that go. Beautiful. And so then all of that time I was chasing after people and doing all that stuff is used then to be able to talk with people and Great. build relationships. I do a lot of coffee dates, you know, mm. and checking in on people because I have now that relocated time. Um, and then the and people know they're members of your church. They know. Yes. Yeah. This is actually nice they because they claim it. So mm -hmm. we can tell by behavior and by having conversation with them mm -hmm. that this is a this is a time where I really do want to get involved and step up. This is a time I just had my third baby. I love this church, but I'm going to tell you I have no brain cells right now. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. it's like I get it. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is um, we do do some things that are just kind of bookmarks um and it's just a fun time for me and my associate pastor sam 
to just then get to know the kids. And so we do um, a three day camping trip in June where we rock climb and water raft. And then we, Sam and I do kind of a lock-in in the fall. And what's great is it's just us and the te teenagers mm. and we get to get it. And, and it's a great um, entry point for the sixth graders um, that are just mm -hmm. entering mm -hmm. into the system. Um, and we get to know them um, in a very personal level because nothing bonds you than a almost life-threatening situation of trying yeah. to lose a child down the American <laughs> river. <laughs> yes. Nothing bonds you quicker than that. And one of the things I love is one of the, um, uh, she was she was uh, uh, new to the youth group in June, and um, she and Sam bonded so much that when Taylor Swift came to the Bay Area for a concert and she had an extra ticket, she you told her him. mom. She told her mom, "I want to bring my new best friend Sam." And oh, so that's Sam awesome! Wow, that is so awesome. That's what a great testimony to the relationship building and wow. the fact that you have two events a year for these. I love that yeah. you bookmark this and and it's because you have these two they it's probably very significant for them it, it is and we're not again talking about chasing after people i'm sure they would everyone says i wish there was a regular youth program mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. same time they know their kids are the most over scheduled kids that's right they've got that's right. band and sport they're not they're never coming it is and so that's why these are like kind of two bookmarked events because at least they know there's something in june and there's something in the fall but even planning kind of like let's help me um organize and plan for advent worship it just takes a lot to find those dates confirmation it takes a lot to find those dates that all the kids can be there and so it's it's kind of in some ways honoring the reality of their mm -hmm. schedules um, and at the same time um, providing something um, so that they can prioritize is this important to you you know is yeah. this faith community important to you and your family and, and your kids mm. i love that well thank you for your work uh cliff you got any more questions no, or, I've, I've or just... do you have any pieces of uh wisdom you as a solo <sighs> pastor and young people well i i in some ways, it I I think that it's good that the kids see that I interact with the adults the same way I interact with them. I meet them yeah. where they are. Um, one of the things I started doing a long time ago um, is when little kids meet me for the first time, I kneel down on the ground yeah, so I can look too. them in the eye and they don't look up at me. Um, yeah. And just kind of like, I will treat you as an equal for mm, as long yeah. as you will let me. Um, yeah. so it's not like, oh, look at the cute little ones. And, and I hear you, Teresa, about the, when they come forward yeah. and, and not wanting them to be, oh, cause I mean, I, my son would come home and tell me that the people laughed at what I said today. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't realize it, but what you said was really clever. That's why yeah. they're laughing. Not because yeah. they're laughing at you. We've had to have that conversation many times. So I do think about what is this moment for? Is this moment for them to grow or is this moment for everybody to be entertained by the little kids up front? And yeah. any, anything that causes a separation is a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. But any time that, that we can tear that down, one of the classic things I did in one of my first um, Christmas Eves here is they always said, well, you know, we do the pageant with all the little kids. So I flipped it. 
and I made the kids go out and recruit adults in the middle of the Christmas Eve service to, be, awesome. to be the 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 nativity scene. Of course, the costumes don't fit at all. They're kind of just slung over their shoulder. Which is really funny, too. And it was great because the kids had a blast. And the adults, fortunately, it. they all grabbed adults who were okay with it. Like, there was no adult who's like, I'm not going up there. But it kind of flipped yeah. the thing about like let's all participate in this and let's you know let the kids do the reading part of it um, while you know the adults are up here in all the costumes to yeah. remind us that you know they're they're not the future of the church they're the church now mm-hmm. and I I I love hearing about what's going on with your church Teresa I think that you're doing some amazing things uh, in a, in a in a setting. Well, like you said, these kids have so many commitments in their life to try to force one more in there and That's make right. them make a choice. You need to choose the church. That mm. doesn't work. Um, blue laws are never coming back. Um, <laughs> uh, they're they are not going to stop playing oh, on Sundays. That's not yeah. going to happen. Um, so we have to find a way to be relevant in other areas of their lives. Yeah. Well, and you know, and there's a great book um, by Andrew Root who talks about faith formation in the secular age. And one of the things he's talking about is relevance versus resonance. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, we will never be relevant because the culture just changes at too much of an accelerated right. pace. Yeah. So it is about resonance. It's about having these resonating and finding fullness and meaning and connection mm-hmm. with another person. That's what brings people together mm-hmm. and, and reprior helps them reprioritize maybe what they'll give their time to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things um, that also led us into kind of this intergenerational ministry piece is I can't control after, you know, they graduate from high school and they move on to their lives, Mm -hmm. whether they're going to go to church or not. But I would hope then the time that they had spent at St. John's, Mm -hmm. they have a memory of a church that loved them for who just Mm -hmm. as they are who honored them, who um, was there for them, who gave them grace for all the ups and downs mm-hmm. of their life. That at least, you know, is what I can somewhat control. And hopefully that'll sustain them and stay with them, you know, for whatever their faith journey is after that. Yeah. And maybe they find a church, but maybe they don't. And maybe they drive by a church wherever they are and they think, oh, you know, yeah. they smile instead yeah. of like yeah. not see it. Well, and I, I, I think yes. that's beautiful. A, a pastor once said to me um, that it's wrong of us to call the kids of our church this church's future. They're another church's future. Most likely, mm. I, I I can't I can't even begin to point at kids that are in this congregation or adults that were children in this congregation. All these adults that we have now were adults in this congregation. And their kids went off to school and met people and got married, yeah. and they now live somewhere else. They yeah. Very rarely do people come back to their home. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. There's some. We have one We have one adult that is a, grew up as a child of this church. Um, but for the most part, you're sending the kids out there. So send no them are. out with the most positive experiences you can and hope that they find another place to take root in, not just, oh, well, we got to make certain that they're here for our survival. No, mm-hmm. yeah. someone else will come in. Uh, we just got to cre- keep the ethos going. And, and I'm we grateful. Know how, yeah, I was just going to say, we know how, go ahead. We just know how hard the world is. And so for yeah. them to come to a safe space, hopefully it's safe, um, you know, that lifts them up and affirms who they are, you know, the better for it. Well, thank you for your work, Teresa. This has been a great conversation. And just, 
a great reminder of why we love church. And so I hope this is helpful for our youth ministry uh, people, just as you consider serving in different sized churches. So thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Cliff. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation. This podcast is made possible through a generous grant from the APSI Endowment Ministry Team. Visit apcenet.org to register for the next national event.